Hello, friends. I bet you thought that I had forgotten about you. If you're watching live, then it's 3.02, which means Bill is two minutes late. Oh, no. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. And if you remember that little sketch, then uh, that should bring a smile. Um, welcome. Welcome to Bill's Facebook studies through the book of Psalms. Uh, we're starting a different uh, topic today in the Psalms. Last week, we were able to look at some of the Psalms of lament and especially uh, some of the penitential type Psalms and uh, the Psalms such as Psalms of David when he cried out to God for his sins and his sinfulness. And uh, today and Thursday will be psalms that are somewhat similar there. They are psalms that have to do uh, with uh, being a bit discouraged. And, um, and so um, the psalmist cries out for help, cries out for deliverance. Sometimes they are suffering physically uh, and sometimes not. It's nice to see that I have some uh, visitors already. Great to see my cousin Gail here. Love you guys, you and Keith. And uh, Eric and Cindy Mosley here again, taking a break. They've been working real hard, I believe, on a deck. And um, nice to get to talk to them some this week on the phone. Larry and Lynn Murphy here. Love that family so very much. Uh, they uh, now have a grandson that is 16 years old and driving. So be careful out there. Uh, but uh, he's a great, great kid. Wow, is he ever. Wonderful families. It's just such a blessing to be able to know and work with and share ministry with um, so many wonderful folks here at West Irwin and Tyler and through the years. Uh, what a blessing it has been for us uh, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina at Woodland West Church in Arlington, Texas. And of course, our church home, our, um, let's see, I guess you would call that our, our uh, home church, Lackland Terrace in San Antonio so many years ago where Joyce and I uh, we're baptized and we're married, and uh, what a blessing that church has always been to us. And of course, our time in, uh, at Oklahoma Christian College back in the 70s and working with a great church, uh, Village Church, now Quail Springs, but then a couple of years with Jim Wilson and the wonderful, one of the best preachers, probably the best preacher I've ever known in my entire life, that at least I've been close to. Uh, Raymond Kelsey. Raymond Kelsey and the Prentice met her both late. Um, wonderful gentlemen of Jesus Christ and great speakers and preachers and, and Bible students themselves. So a um, little bit about me you didn't bargain for and no extra cost for that. Uh, but we are getting into these Psalms that have to do with seeking God's comfort and help. So many of the Psalms could be put in this category. In fact, we've already seen several, uh, one of which is Psalm 22, the Psalm that I think Jesus was thinking about uh, as he was giving his life for us on the cross, actually crying out uh, from Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, remembering that great Psalm, Psalm 22, that speaks so much about what Jesus went through on the cross but also seems to indicate uh, a, a psalmist uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus who was also experiencing uh, difficulty and pain and suffering and some kind of health uh, disorder and had people around him who were, were making fun of him and, and taunting him 
and of course Jesus identifies with that in a very special way on the cross. That is a psalm somewhat like what we're going to be looking at this week, but these are a little bit more pointed. These are uh, psalms that have a psalmist crying out to God for help and comfort and deliverance. Um, and we see uh, a lot of great, uh, uh, great writings from the Psalms. I've called them honest worshipers and honest sufferers, uh, people who prayed honest prayers, uh, who took God to task because they felt like they were experiencing some things that were difficult that God was not saving them from. And so I think that's one of the reasons why the Psalms are so important for us to read today. Uh, in today's world, there's a lot going on that we don't quite understand. Uh, and we pray to God for it. And we pray to God for deliverance uh, from this pandemic, uh, from the novel coronavirus, from the suffering that it has caused in so many ways, uh, economically, emotionally. Um, I, I think we're all pretty tired of this. And yet it hasn't even been a year, but it's been a lot longer than what we expected, I think, at the beginning. And so we uh, cry out to God for deliverance and uh, for for help and for comfort and for strength and for hope, even in times of great difficulty uh, and sorrow. Um, and so for many of the psalmists, they were experiencing these kinds of difficulties uh, that caused them to cry out to God for comfort and that caused them to cry out to God for help and for deliverance. And um, the psalmist at, at times uh, writes because God has answered their prayers. And sometimes the psalmist writes anticipating that God will answer their prayers. And so it's really interesting to read these. Today we're going to look at three different psalms that are actually two psalms, Psalm 42 and 43, probably one psalm, as we're going to see in just a moment, and also Psalm uh, 57. And then on Thursday, we'll look at two psalms, uh, Psalm 30 and Psalm uh, 40, both great, great works that um, help us when we cry out to God uh, for comfort and for deliverance and for help. And so first of all, Psalms 42 and 43, they're uh, probably one psalm in the original. And the refer recurring refrain is, why my soul are you downcast? And that's a that's a great a great question. Uh, probably again, Psalm 42 and 43 were probably one psalm originally. Why do you think that, Bill? Well, Bill thinks that because the people who know, like Dr. John Willis uh, of Abilene Christian University, uh, suggests that. Why does he think it? Well, uh, Psalms 42 and the ones that come after 43, 44 through 49, all have a similar heading. Uh, not exactly the same, but similar headings, but there's no heading at all in Psalm 43, which is kind of odd. Uh, and there is a recurring refrain in Psalm 42, verses 5 and 11, and Psalm 43, verse 5, which indicates that maybe these two were kind of together, and maybe that's three stanzas of the same song. That's kind of how I would call it. And then there are other similarities as well, uh, some of the topics and the situation the psalmist was in and some of those kinds of things. We can't know for sure, of course, uh, but that seems to indicate that Psalms 42 and 43 were likely originally just one psalm uh, with three stanzas. And so we're going to divide this up exactly like that. Uh, and as we go through these uh, uh, two psalms, as we have in our Bible, 
uh, the psalmist is depressed, the psalmist is discouraged, and the psalmist feels helpless. And so he will ask himself that question, why my soul are you downcast? He does that a few different times in these uh, two psalms. And so we'll start with Psalm 42, uh, verses 1 through 5, the psalmist is depressed. And if you love the song and know the song as the deer pants for the water, you probably know that one, or maybe you know uh, a more contemporary version of that, which is kind of one of those echo things where uh, the men start and the ladies echo, or the ladies start and the men echo, as the deer, as the deer thirst for the water, Lord, thirst for the water, Lord, so my soul, so my soul longs after you. That's a really great upbeat song uh, that uh, many of us know, many of us have sung. We don't sing it very often, uh, but our young people have sung it a lot. Uh, over the last several years, and it is a great song. But that first one goes back a little bit further, uh, perhaps in the 90s or so, when a lot of these great, wonderful contemporary Christian songs were first gaining popularity in the 80s and 90s. And um, uh, that's probably, that one dates back to, I think, around then, uh, maybe a little later. But um, that's a wonderful song, and it's taken right from this psalm, Psalm 42. Verses 1 through 5, the psalmist is depressed, and he acknowledges that before God. As the deer pants for streams of water, Psalm 42, verse 1, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? The psalmist is suffering, he is depressed, and he is uh, trying to find God. He's searching for the God who hasn't delivered him. And then he continues on and tells us exactly why he is so depressed. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Here was a psalmist who had great faith in the Lord and was experiencing a lot of difficulties. Specifically, we don't know, but some kind of difficulties. And and he cries out to God day and night, and he cries, literally cries. His, his tears are his food, he says. Uh, and there are people around him who know about his faith. They know that he's a faithful man, and they don't understand why he's suffering. And his God that he trusts in so devoutly has not delivered him. And so they taunt him. Where is your God? People say to me all day long, verse four, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He he remembers the times uh, when it was better. <laughs> he remembers the good old days, you might say. He remembers when he used to go to church, we would say, when he used to go and worship with other Jews, his brothers in the faith, and, and sing those happy songs of faith and life and joy because that was what they were experiencing. Uh, and yet, uh, that's not what he's experiencing now. And so he looks back at those and he remembers those and it causes him to ask this question in verse 5, which closes out each of these three stanzas. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
The psalmist realizes and acknowledges that he's depressed, but he also remembers those better days that God was there and present, and, and he knew it. And so he knows in his heart uh, that God is, is present now as well, but he can't deny the difficulty that he says. And so he reminds himself to put his hope in the one that can be trusted and the God that has delivered him before and not be so downcast. My, the psalmist is depressed, first of all. But then secondly, in the next five or six verses, the psalmist is discouraged. And again, this stanza will begin similarly, but will end the same way that the first one did. And the psalmist is not just depressed, but he's down. He's, um, he's discouraged. Uh, this is something that's trying his faith in a very real way. Psalm 42, verse 6, My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. Don't you love that saying in Psalm 42, verse 7? Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Um, he feels like he's in over his head. It's basically what he's saying. Uh, this is a difficult time, and I'm in it deep. And so from the depth, I cry out to you, much like Jonah did, uh, from the belly of the, of the great fish. Uh, he, he had heard the call from God to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, the enemies of the Jews, and preach the message of the Lord. And instead, he went west rather than east, took the first boat he could find that was going as far west as he could, and because of the storm, he finally admitted to the sailors that it was it was Jonah that was causing the storm because his God was mad at him. And so reluctantly, those sailors threw him overboard and the seas calmed and they offered up worship to the God of Jonah. And God provided that big, great fish. Uh, as John Willis says, that very special once and forever uh, Jonah swallowing fish. And, um, and Jonah lived for three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. And he cried out to God, deep calls to deep. Uh, when you're in it deep, that's what you do. You cry out like this psalmist is doing, like Jonah did in that great prayer uh, that he offered up to God. Deep calls to deep, Psalm 42, verse 7. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He's, he hasn't given up. He, it's, you know, in, in the Psalms, it's so great because they're so honest about how things are going. They don't deny, they don't sugarcoat it, but at the same time, they don't give up hope. They continue to trust in the Lord and they continue to pray and bring their uh, honest struggles to the Lord. God's big enough to handle it. If you're in it deep, then deep calls to deep. Cry out to God. Put your hope in the Lord and, and bring your honest, heartfelt prayers to the Lord. He knows what you're thinking and feeling already. So why not go ahead and say it to him? and speak it out loud. That's what the psalmist does. Verses 9 and 10, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Again, very similar to the first stanza. 
those around him taunting and and it seems that he's suffering from some physical malady a a very serious illness perhaps uh watching his life drain away from him and and praying night and day with tears for god to deliver him and and yet god doesn't and it causes those around him to say hey where's your god mr big shot i thought thought he was going to come deliver you and heal you and and so the psalmist himself asked the question where are you where are you god why why are you not helping me it's okay to ask god that when you're feeling that way he can handle it uh, don't give up on him don't lose your faith and um, and try to do that as reverently as you can but god wants our honest prayers uh, job shared honestly with god and um, was commended for it. His friends were told to go to Job and ask him for prayers because he approached me honestly. Uh, and yes, he repented. Job felt like he had gone too far, so don't do that. But read those prayers of Job in the book of Job. Uh, remember what Jesus prayed in the garden honestly with uh, sweat like it was like he was bleeding. Um, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's right to pray that prayer along with it, but it's also right to tell God what we want. Uh, right now, we're in the midst of a difficult time, not just with the pandemic, but also with this election. Two weeks from today is election day, and I think it's right for us to pray to God, especially in our personal private prayers now, to pray to God for, for what we think would be best for our communities, for our state, for our government, for our national election. Um, and, and I think it's okay to pray that prayer. Dear God, help this person win, if that's how you feel. I don't think you should pray that prayer publicly. I think you pray that God would let the right person win. But in your private prayers, in your solemn moments, I think you can pray that and ask God to bring about the ones that you feel like are the right ones, but always with that same caveat that Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. I find myself praying and have for a while that every day things would happen that would bring about God's will in this election. That's what I've been praying, including uh, the, uh, the news every day that we hear, including how things go in our country, including things like this debate coming up on Thursday night, and certainly the early voting and the election day and, and the whole process. Uh, I pray that God's will would be done, and I think that's the right thing uh, to pray. The psalmist prays very honestly what's on his heart, um, and then he reminds himself again the end of this stanza, verse 11 of Psalm 42, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Ending just as the first stanza did, ending just as the third stanza will in this next chapter as we have it in our book of Psalms, Psalm 43. The psalmist is depressed um, and he acknowledges that before God. The psalmist is discouraged as we have just seen. Where, where are you, God? Why are you not helping me? And then the, finally, the psalmist feels helpless in Psalm 43, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. He's referred to those around him, taunting him, the wicked, uh, several times. Verse 2 of Psalm 43, you are my God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? 
Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Again, the psalmist asks, where are you, God? Why, like Jesus on the cross, like the psalmist in Psalms 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you delivering me? It's okay to ask God those things. He's big enough. He can handle it. The psalmist do that respectfully, reverently, yes, but very openly, uh, very plainly, very honestly. And I think that's what God seems to want. Verse three, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain. Uh, for the psalmist, that would have been Jerusalem and the temple, perhaps, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Um, the psalmist, perhaps uh, a, a musician who participated in the worship of God. We've talked about that in these studies. The Old Testament worship used instrumental music in New Testament times. There's no indication that the first century church did that and didn't do that for hundreds of years, even though they were very familiar with it, whether they were from a Jewish background or a pagan background. This psalmist, that's how he worshiped. And he wanted to do that again. He wanted to sing those happy songs of joy and praise that he referred to in the first stanza at the beginning in, in Psalm 42. Uh, but right now he, he couldn't. It would have been insincere. And and so he, he says, I, I want you to help me, God. I, I don't know why you have it, but I'm continuing to bring my cause before you. Send me your light and your faithful care. Verse three, what a great, great request. Then I will go to the altar of God, uh, to God, my joy and my delight, the psalmist says. Then I'll, I'll go right to, to the place where you live for the Jews that would have been in Solomon's temple uh, in Jerusalem, in the holy of holies, the most holy place, on that atonement cover, that top part of uh, the box overlaid with gold with the angels on it. Um, that we call the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the presence of God lived in a very special way for the Jews on that mercy seat, on that atonement cover between those angels. And the, psalm, the psalmist says, I, I'm ready to go and, and take my place with the other worshipers and lead the worshipers in, in song and in prayer. Uh, and the psalmist says, when you deliver me, which I know you will one day, that's what I'll do. And so the psalm ends just as the other two stanzas in Psalms 42 uh, have ended uh, with these words in Psalm 43, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Even in the midst of the pain, we can know for sure that our God is there. He is our Savior. And our soul doesn't need to be downcast, doesn't need to be depressed and discouraged and helpless as this psalmist has felt. But he reminds himself, even as he experiences those emotions, that his God, our God, is there and will deliver. Um, Psalms 42 and 43, what a great, great start. And then this psalm, Psalm 57, before we close today, it's a great psalm also that calls... Uh, on us to pray the prayer with the psalmist, be exalted, O God. Uh, the heading of Psalm 57 indicates the context of 1 Samuel 24, 
when David and his men were hiding in a cave from King Saul, and David ends up sparing the king's life. You remember that story from 1 Samuel 24, right? David and his men are fleeing from King Saul, who thinks that David is out to kill him, which is not the case. Uh, and yet Saul just is obsessed with David, and he keeps trying to chase him down to kill him. And David and his men are hiding deep inside a cave, and it's interesting because King Saul goes in that cave. Uh, and yet he doesn't go all the way to the back, and David sneaks up on him and cuts off a piece of his robe and and uh, and and spares his life and and overcome with guilt uh, because of what he had done. Uh, and yet he calls out to the king and 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 pleads with the king, please don't please don't think that I'm trying to kill you. I could have. Right now, in fact, David's own men said, the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands today. And David says, I, there's no way I would raise my sword against the Lord's anointed, which is what they refer to the king as. Um, and so David says, uh, that's not going to happen. But this psalm, according to the heading, is taken. Uh, David writes it during that time uh, when he had experienced uh, God's deliverance in 1 Samuel 24. And it may very well be that that's exactly uh, the right uh, setting. On Thursday, we're going to look at a psalm or two where I'm not so sure that the heading is actually accurate based on the content. And we have said all along, the best way to know what's going on with this particular psalmist when he writes this psalm is by reading the psalm itself and deciding what the content would lead us to, to believe. This psalm, Psalm 57, is divided into two stanzas, kind of like Psalm 42 and 43 had three stanzas with a recurring refrain at the end of each. This one is divided into two stanzas by the recurring refrain, Be exalted, uh, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Verses 5 and 11 that divide up this great psalm. So let's look at this psalm. First of all, a confident cry for help. In Psalm 57, verses 1 through 5. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. The psalmist knows that he's going to be delivered, and yet the next verse will tell us that deliverance hasn't come just yet. Verse 4, I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. If that's uh, King Saul and his men, then he he's exactly right, because Saul was the king. He had the army at his beck and call, and he used them to try to find and kill David. Verse five, however, David divides the two sections of this psalm uh, with this brief statement of praise. Verse five, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. That great refrain, uh, even in the midst of difficulty, David, knowing that God would deliver him, had delivered him in the past, perhaps had delivered him just at this very moment. Uh, and David writes this song of praise, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. His, his is a cry for help, but it's a confident cry for help, a cry for help that knows God has delivered me in the past. He will deliver me yet again. 
And then the psalm ends, the last half of the psalm, with a song of praise for the deliverance that God has brought. Verse um, verse 6 of Psalm 57, They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. What they had wanted uh, to trap David with, they themselves were trapped. And that's certainly consistent with 1 Samuel 24. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. The psalmist is so excited. King David or David is so excited at the deliverance that God has brought that he sings out to the Lord. He praises the Lord among everyone, even among the pagan nations. David spent some of his time uh, with the Philistines and with others. For great is your love, he says, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. When we feel so overwhelmed with joy because we've experienced the deliverance of the Lord, we need to tell him. We need to share that great song of praise. Perhaps write a song of your own, not inspired scripture, but something that, that will help you sing and pray and praise the Lord for the deliverance that he has brought you at that very moment. Um, and, and we can also read through these great songs and remind ourselves and use the words that people like David have written uh, that sing the Lord's praises. And of course, this psalm ends uh, just as the first stanza had ended. In Psalm 57, verse 11, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Um, in these psalms, we hear the cry to trust in the Lord in the midst of the crisis. And then when he delivers us to praise him for the help and comfort with which uh, God has helped us and delivered us that we have prayed for so desperately. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Uh, Psalm 42 and 43 ask, Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then Psalm 57, that recurring refrain for that psalm is, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And so I want us to end this study today with a great song that's inspired by that verse in Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. May God bless you today and every day.